This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. This is Anna Thompson with your weekly Meanwhile in Memphis. And I hope you were having a fabulous Tuesday morning here. Um, I have not had quite enough coffee yet today, but I'm rocking and rolling in the studio. And we have a very exciting guest here today. We have Josh Horton, who is the founder and lead over at Creative Works, to join us in studio today to talk about the upcoming Creative Works conference that will be right here in Memphis at the Halloran Center the first week of October. And it is really, really exciting. It's the eighth year for this. Josh is a designer and a creative entrepreneur who is emphatic about social and economic impact of design and creative work. After starting his design career in Seattle with Invisible Creature, he returned to his native Memphis in 2007 to build brands for small businesses and nonprofits. In 2014, he founded Creative Works to focus on empowering creative people. And this upcoming Creative Works Conference will be held October 6th through the 8th, 2002. It is a three-day conference designed to inspire and empower creative careers. I, for one, am very excited. I've heard really great things about this um, conference, and I think let's just get right into it because you certainly don't want to hear more of me speaking. So here we go with my conversation with Josh Horton at Creative Works. Welcome, Josh. How are you this morning? Doing great. Good, good. Glad to hear it. So I wanted to start off, and can you tell our listeners just a little bit about you? I believe you are a native Memphian, correct? Yes, I am. I uh, I always talk about this, and some people love this, that they they remember it, but I grew up in the neighborhood right next to Adventure River, which ah, back yes. in the day, Adventure River was like like the place that I spent in my entire childhood, basically from, yeah, yes. from Memorial Day to Labor Day or whenever that window was. It's just like we got up, we got on our bikes and we went. The and, big slides. Uh, it was amazing. Yes. Oh, it's incredible. Yes, it was so good. Yeah. And a summer like this, I'm thinking to myself, like, why don't we have Adventure River I anymore? Mean, I that in Maywood. Right. It felt like it took years to get to Maywood when <laughs> Back I, then, yes, it for literally sure. like I think I would fall asleep in the car and it was like, what, a 35 minute drive, like 40 from like Cordova where I grew up. So literally, but Maywood, God, well, that, <laughs> that icy water, I can still feel it. <laughs> yeah, talk about the like a uh, feeling like it's forever when you were driving. I guess on forty headed to Nashville from Whitten Road, which was my exit to like Stonebridge, felt like I was going into the country. Like well, I mean, now, you were. <laughs> well, right <laughs> at, the time. at the time, you're right, you're right. So, but now it's like nothing. So, well, I had uh, one of my good friends in elementary school lived in Collierville at the time, and she was the one friend that was like, my mom was like, I will pick you up wherever you are, whenever you need me, but if you were spending the night there, you're staying. <laughs> like, I'm not coming feel, to yeah. get you in, yeah. in, in Collierville. And I was like, what? At the time, it might as well have been like Mars. Right. And so it's just so funny how that feels like that. But yes, Adventure River is a throwback, and now yes. I'm like really going to be thinking about that all day. If, if anyone ever had an Adventure River t-shirt... Uh, from back in, or from not from back in the day, but ever bought an Adventure River T-shirt? That was something I brought back in the uh, 2012s. I want to find. Do you still have some of those from 2012? I don't. No, ah. I did Adventure River, Liberty Land. Yes. Um, a lot of like Memphis throwback stuff. I love it. 
perfect. Yeah. I love it. Now now it's just on the side of a beer can. Like yeah. the beach within reach. Right. Maywood. Right. All that other kind of stuff. The zip and pippin. Yep. Absolutely. All that other stuff side of a beer can now. Um, so you are born and bred Memphis. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So tell me a little bit how you got interested in creatives and being a creative and yep. anything like that. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I was the weird artsy kid that like uh, just we have, my mom would take me to Michaels and I would get a sketchbook and graphic pen, and graphite Love pencils that, yes. and get like get it all over my hands. I'm left-handed, so I get it all over my palms and stuff. Yeah. It was just something I, I made a mess basically is what I did as a, as a, uh, someone in my youth. And so anyway, I just grew up and always wanted to be interested in art. Uh, and music. And, you know, I think living in the South, I think sometimes we can get like focused on, well, sports is more important or like school's more important, all of these things, you know, academics and sports and our values are a little out of place at times. And so I just, I remember growing up as this kid that always valued creatives, but didn't necessarily partake just for whatever reasons and dynamics were going on when I was growing up. And as I grew up, I realized that you could have a career uh, being creative Light and, bulb. <laughs> right, right. I'd, I'd spent time in uh, the OR, like doing, um, I was a surgical case technician at Baptist Hospital. Uh-huh. I like wanted to be an accountant at one time because my girlfriend's dad was doing that. There were all these things that I basically tried to do or tried to kind of set myself in a mindset. And it just always came back to being creative. And I, I had the opportunity to um, to do that at a local company, Ardent, Student and Ar- Ardent Studios and Ardent Records. And I left uh, to go for an internship in Seattle just to learn more, get a better understanding of like what that artwork needed to look like and yeah. what the design needed to look like for advertising and posters and apparel and all that stuff. And really just cut my teeth in Seattle and came back to Memphis and just really wanted to plug into a, a town, uh, a community that I felt was kind of like, you know, disconnected and apathetic and just not really excited about the work that they were doing. Yeah, that's so interesting. And interesting, too, that you said, like, as a kid, you were the weird art kid. I feel like that was not um, a generation where that was the cool thing to be. It makes me think of, like, the remake of, like, 22 Jump Street, where it's like they were the cool kids and they go back and they're like, wait a second, everyone cares about the environment now? Like, that was not the cool thing. And so it's funny how that flip-flopped now. (laughs) I love that movie. And so uh, that's immediately what I thought of is it was like, it was not a kind time to it be wasn't. an arty kid. It wasn't. So it was all about, for me, it was all about, you know, being a prep and going with the flow, right? Mm-hmm. Like playing football and, and baseball and all of those things, which is fine. But like looking back on my high school experience, if anyone that went to high school listens to this, like, you know, I wish that I would have stayed better friends with the band nerds, right? And that I would have been better friends with the artists. And that's what I did kind of like my the second semester of my senior year, but that wasn't enough time. It wasn't enough time to kind of really plug in. Yeah. Um, but I do think that what you did learn through all of that is probably resilience, which is a sure. key characteristic of a creative. Absolutely. So interesting. So when did you move back um, from Seattle and yeah, yeah. moving around and kind of getting and gleaning ideas from other places to be able to bring back? Yeah, so I, I'll back up just a second, but basically I went... Uh, I graduated uh, in 97. I went to Belmont University in Nashville for mm-hmm. a year. I learned quickly I wanted to do something in recording arts, and I learned that you had to be a sophomore, I'm sorry, a junior to do that, to get in the studio. And so I was like, man, I do not want to stick around for two years and just kind of bide my time to yeah. get into the studio. So I went to Orlando, Florida. I got a degree in recording engineering from this uh, really fantastic place. It's a technical college called Full Sail University. Okay. And uh, that's where probably five or six of the men that were working at Ardent Studios had degrees from. And so I got a degree from there and then moved back to Memphis 
did that. And then, as I said earlier, I got back, I got into design just because I didn't want to be in the studio all day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of wanted to have my own hours, wanted to have spend time with family, things like that. And so I went back into pursuing more of like graphic design and arts uh, that I did as a kid. And I moved off to Seattle and came back in 2007. In 2007. And actually leaving and coming back is something that I feel like I've heard a lot of creatives from different sectors that are doing, um, Kelly English in particular, even when it like for food that it like spending a hiatus or a sabbatical in a different place to like kind of really pick up flavors and nuances is kind of similar with like that creative process for you and the nuances that would probably go into a lot of the technique and stuff like that. Yes. It's really interesting. Absolutely. And I would agree with that. And I, honestly, it's really the kind of the impetus of me putting on the conference was to, you know, I know so many people can't do that. Right. Yeah. So let's bring them here. And even if it's for a three day weekend, you know, let's help to expose them and inspire inspire them of the possibilities of a creative career, right? And then that what that works like, and then they can maybe bring that back to their place of, of work here. And then, you know, it's uh, I'm 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 in, in agreement with you. It's incredibly important. Not everyone gets a chance to do it. So how can we make that happen? And the conference was kind of a part of that. I love it. Okay, so you you segued beautifully into that. I'm Thank sorry. you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the conference how it was created, and why that is so important. Yeah, so in 2014, uh, I'd come off of a really hard year, and I just, again, I was meeting with friends that I'd gone to uh, school with and um, college with, and we were talking and having, you know, coffees. And if Memphis, Memphis loves to do one thing when you're young, I'm sure young people do this all the time, but Memphis loves to, like, basically have a meeting. <laughs> and like, so let's have meetings and like talk about ideas all day. But I just felt compelled to do something about mm-hmm. it. I'd known people from my work in Seattle with Invisible Creature. I'd done so much work there and made so many connections there that I could I could leverage those people to come to Memphis and to inspire us here. And honestly, people just think Memphis is a really cool town and they want to see the town for what it is. And, you know, even if we've got a, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a rich history that's good and bad, like... People love Memphis. They love the history here and they love the food here. And so it wasn't an, it wasn't a hard sell. We brought in 18 people the first year. We had the conference at um, the Visible Music College. Oh, yeah. That's a great building. It was awesome. And we had 175 people there. It turned into, it was a two and a half day event. It was really fantastic. It sold out in two months. It was Jeez. insane. Yeah. And um, after that conference, you could just feel a different energy here, right? And I just, that's one of the things that I kind of reveled in after that conference. And I just knew it's got to happen the next year. Yeah. Right. It's got to be an annual thing. That's right. And we doubled capacity the next year, had it at Central Station. We literally built a venue in their like big open hall area. Um, And it was really cool and creative and, and basically built that venue, doubled capacity to 350, sold that out again, not as, as quickly and then a sellout um, is a sellout. I'm a sell, gonna, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. And a W so, is a W. I don't care how you get there. That's right. So <laughs> basically, you know, thing everything was was happening really great for us. And um, after that second conference, uh, and we can talk about this if you want, but we were approached by Russ Williams, who is the CEO of Archer Malmo. He's an incredible, incredible person and a mentor of mine. And he basically just met with me and said, hey, I love what you're doing in the creative community here. You know, I'm thinking about doing something similar. I've got to make certain investments. Like every time I want to do something, everyone's saying, you need to go talk to Josh Horton because he's already doing that or he wants to do that. And so we met and he just get, had a really great conversation with me and helped me raise some money to, to pilot 
uh, Creative Works as a nonprofit for two years through across 2016 and 2018. So tell me a little bit about that kind of how that morphed into the nonprofit for a couple of years, and then how it kind of transitioned away from that model. Yeah, absolutely. So the gist was is um, we were given a chunk of money. Uh, to pilot a lot of things and try to basically give a, a really great report back to the people that were funding us. Yes, we are familiar with that model. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, I took a pay cut and then I paid, uh, I hired someone else to help me operate uh, the company. And then we hired two more individuals to help us with the day to day things and then also to teach classes. Uh, we did an elective at Grizzlies Prep um, for branding and logo design. And so, um, we did that. We did. We produced um, at least two events a month for two years. Wow! Um, so we did a meetup every month, and then we also had like a lecture or a gallery show or a workshop um, in place in those months too. So it was really amazing. And I was telling you before we started the podcast. By the end of that time, our our workshops led by Memphis Creatives that we put on here were attracting people from Mobile, Alabama, Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, Nashville, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Columbus uh, on a monthly basis. And I just thought that that was really special. And it was starting to change the narrative about what was happening in this city, right? That consistency of programming across two years was starting to change the the narrative. And unfortunately, like a few other um, companies in town or organizations in, in town, our funding was cut and kind of the, you know, we just couldn't continue yeah, doing that type of work. It wasn't yeah. sustainable like that. So in 2019, um, we did the conference again, or I did the conference again. Uh, we did a thing called Skill Camp, which was pretty amazing. It's basically a reverse conference from what we do. It was focused on workshops and learning. And then we had one talk at night. Um, and then I also did this thing called One Day Seattle, which was really amazing. We sold out an event in Seattle in downtown Pioneer Square, had 200 individuals, sold that one out fairly quickly. And the gist of it was, and I know some people kind of think that I'm wrong for taking this out of the city, but the gist was, is it was one big commercial for a three-day event in Memphis, right? So we played the recap from the previous conference and said, hey, you need to buy tickets to this. We played the skill camp recap and we're like, hey, you need to buy tickets for this. Yeah. You know, and then 2020 happened. So. Ugh, and it just ripped the rug out from everybody. Absolutely. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, 2020. <laughs> we had a kid when in 2022, my wife oh, and well, I. So high that was point. that was the high point, but silver it also lining. missed. It, yeah, that's right. It is the silver <laughs> lining. It made things much more difficult and complicated, but it was such a such a blessing. So you said you had um, a child, and so tell us a little bit about your family life. Yeah, so I uh, I have six members of my family. I've been married to my wife Star for over six years now. I have uh, three sons. One that's two. Uh, and then I have one beautiful daughter. Uh, they're 14-year-olds going to um, – I have two 14-year-old kids, son and a daughter. They're twins. They're going to White Station High School. Ooh. I've got an uh, 11-year-old that's going to University of Middle. I'm super impressed with that program. Yes. We have some people on staff that yeah. are, uh, their kids go there and that I think are on the board at university school. Ama- it's amazing. Campus school, whatever yeah. it is. Yes. Yeah. So that's amazing. And then my two-year-old, obviously. We're still – we were on a waiting list. The pandemic, baby. That's right. We were on a waiting list before, because in Memphis, as you guys know. It, it might was, as well be Manhattan, that's as, right. as far as schools are concerned. That's My right. My goodness. And so well, daycare in particular. I found that out the hard way. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, so we're trying to get back. We're on lists again, and we're trying to get back into those programs. We'll see how it goes. So not only are you, like, 
developing and pouring into all of the creatives in our lovely city and in yes. the Mid-South, you are also raising raising, ra- raising tiny humans. So, yep. Yep. yay. You don't need any sleep at all, I, I take it. No. <laughs> you can run fine on coffee as you're sipping it right here. Yeah, it that's actually why smells I come fantastic. In, yeah, yeah. And I come in here and ask for That's the first thing I ask for. So. <laughs> coffee. I love it. Um, so tell me a little bit about this year's conference. It will be in early October. October 6th through 8th at the Halloran Center. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our fourth year at the Halloran Center. Uh, Another that, great venue. It's incredible venue, right? Yeah. Like it's it's just the right size for all the things that we do. So it's it's we give 18 eye-opening presentations, which is this is kind of like the message that I give to everyone. But The PR spiel. That's right. Yeah. So we have 18 eye-open pres- eye-opening presentations. But basically we just invite people from all over the country to come to Memphis to share uh, you know, their stories, candid moments in their career, their failures, their successes. And we do a really good job, I think, of breaking down the barriers between the people in the seats and the people on the stage, because that's one of the things that people go to conferences. That's like, huge. Yeah. You just don't want to be talked at the whole day. That's right. Yeah. And, and you also just sit in the seats and you're just thinking to yourself, like, I'll never be like this person. And, and that's just not true especially in a creative career. There are so many things that are just literally based on your work ethic, how hard you're trying at something, how much work and time you've put into something that gets you to that place in the creative career. So we do the 18 eye-opening presentations. And for those who want to get, uh, you know, some hands-on skill-building experiences, we do 10 workshops during the time. So you have 10 choices of workshops that deal with branding, storytelling, uh, you know, embroidering, hand lettering on fabric, which is kind oh, of amazing. Cool. Um, and then there is, uh, you know, starting a personal project, uh, the building a badass creative business. Like we have two women that run goodtype.us, uh, which is a fantastic online community for hand letterers and people that love letters. And they're basically telling all of the secrets about how to create a really amazing business. So, that alone um, is worth the price of admission. It I mean, is. Come on. For sure. Absolutely. And conferences like ours, it is worth noting, the price for our conference is three ninety nine for general admission. But if you were to go out into another city and get this type of lineup or this amount of people in the lineup the and this quality. The amount of people is huge. I that's scrolled right. for like days on it's your site to people. see. Yes. Yeah, there's we're bringing so many. 30 people. It's a stacked lineup. Thank you. And so, you know... That alone, the three ninety nine is a is a huge thing for Memphis to to embrace. But um, you know, and then beyond that, uh, we we have three amazing dinners uh, that basically turn into after parties. It's our time to break bread together, right? We've spent time sitting down and time uh, in workshops, and I want you to meet that person from small town Oklahoma who's like come to Memphis, who you know has the same kind of beliefs and thoughts and like want work, you know, desires for their work and career. And so you basically have people from all over the country meeting people from Memphis and they're like learning that they're very similar and doing similar, similar work and doing the same things. And so you level up your peer experience at a, at a, an event like this. And I just think that those things, when you, when you look back on, you know, this is nine years of doing creative works for me you start to realize like, man, these people met the first year and they're still friends today and they live in different cities and you could see how both of their works, both of their portfolio and their work has elevated over time. And it's really, it's really special. Community is vitally important to a creative career. I was going to say, um, that's some, one of our like taglines that we use a lot is like transforming Memphis through the power of connection. And I feel like that, like the creative works conference is just like a hub of like what that is and all of these different people coming and going from Memphis and, seeing not only how Memphis is as a city and like 
learning about us, what we bring to the table, which is so very much. That's right. Um, but also being able to take little pieces of that back and take little pieces of Memphis home to wherever that home is, which is really neat. That's right. And then kind of that cross collaboration, that cross pollination, if you will. Yeah. We call that. them creative collisions. Ah, yeah. I love that. I love it. Yeah. So we've talked about the exciting things, which is the Creative Works Conference and all that goes into that. But can you tell us a little bit about kind of the creative climate here in Memphis and right. the kind of the things that we're getting right and maybe some of the opportunities that we have to be more of a creative friendly or creative forward um, community. Yeah. So that's a, a really fantastic question. Thank you for asking it. I, I think the gist for me and my understanding of things is that we so desperately need uh, creative people to help basically curate our lives here. Right. So like help us, you know, create experiences and brands and food places. I mean, like, um, we need them to also help drive the narrative and the story, not a, not away from the things that are here, right? Like I love Elvis and I love barbecue and I love like, you know, the Southern, you know, way of life. Like all of those things are true, but we also need people to help push that narrative into the future. Yeah. And creatives are on the forefront of that, whether it's music, whether it's comedy, whether it's creative work and communication, like creatives, they're in charge of building that narrative. And so we need them vitally more than ever. And I think the problem that is has, that has basically existed here in the city as long as I've been around and, and unfortunately still exists today is that creatives get brought in on the tail end of conversations. They get asked to make things that aren't well thought out and um, that aren't pretty look good, right? Mm -hmm. Or interesting, right? Yeah. Like just make this look good. And then the creative person's like, well, wait a minute, I've... I've worked on things like this for uh, over a decade and you need to change this or this copy doesn't work here or, or this actually needs to tell a story, right? And those things often get ignored for really just like a, an ego's sake, right? Like someone in the room just has to drive this because that's their job, but not letting creatives kind of sit in the middle of the process, right? And I think that's so important for people here in Memphis to understand because what's happening more often than not here is that creatives are kind of being burnt out by the same dynamic of not being valued or being undervalued is probably bit the better way to say that. And so um, if you start to value creative work and creative talent, then you start to insert them into the conversations quicker and actually a better product arises out of that. So whether you're building a business, building a community, building a park, building whatever you're doing, involving creatives in the forefront of that uh, is something, again, we don't do well here and we need to do better at. And I think it would drastically change the way that uh, not only people from outside experience Memphis, but the way that we experience the city as well. So interesting, too, that you um, that you mentioned that about the way that creatives kind of intersect with all the other sectors. I feel like so often our businesses and just generally in our city, we want to like remove them out from underneath that umbrella and don't think, we think that like creatives are their, a thing all their own. And That's while right. that is true, they are a part of every other business. Just right. like there are, you know, there are graphic designers everywhere. There are communications, marketing. There is, you know, a, a lot of different ways to be a quote unquote creative. So when you say that, can you kind of help our listener understand a little bit more about the scope of what that could look like in a career? Yeah. So, you know, I'll just speak for my own. So I started out doing, um, piddling, honestly, I started out piddling around on the computer, right? So I went to school for recording engineering and during, uh, that 
those uh, classes in Orlando, Florida. Uh, they had me take an intro to HTML. They had me take an intro to Photoshop and an intro to Illustrator. So it was a part of my job during that uh, season of my life to basically you know, figure out how to use these programs and figure out how to leverage them for the work that I could be doing in the future. And at that time, they were thinking, well, if you're the producer on a record, maybe you can help them with their website or album artwork, right? And so that seemed like a good tie-in. But little did they know that I would actually abandon recording engineering altogether and go full into artwork. Like the three classes that I took for 30 grand back in the... Uh, <laughs> You know, back in the early 2000s, like <laughs> became, the, 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 became the focus of my yeah. entire career. So basically, the gateway. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's people that build logos. It's people that tell stories, people that illustrate uh, ideas. Um, you know, that that extends to, you know, filmmakers, hand letterers, uh, people that do app design, people that do website design, um, you know, people that create logos and brands and extensions of brands. Um, that's the type of person that we reach. Basically, we focus on people who are in brand design and brand story design. Um, I don't know if brand story design is a thing, but but brand story is a thing. Say so, it with authority and it right? is. Right? There yeah. you go. Um, <laughs> so it's basically brand and story, right? So we focus on those things because those things are key to communication. Absolutely. And communication, as you know, is so vital to every uh, everything that we try to do either in this city or in our business communities uh, or online. And so um, these people are vital to the growth of a business. And like you said earlier, just for whatever reason, so often um, are brought in, um, you know, at the last moment. And, and those things just need to change over time, right? And one of the things that I try to do uh, with Creative Works is not only do I like to empower creatives, but I need to create advocates, right? So for every one creative in Memphis, there needs to be at least two advocates. And Ooh, that will I like help. That. Yeah, so that will, that will help elevate their role in the community, uh, the things that they're able and capable of doing in the community, and how they impact and help. It's interesting, too, because I really feel like throughout some of the conversations that I've been able to have with other creatives here in our city and just by watching the landscape nationally and internationally, like even when it comes to like the inauguration and having a poet be there, like that storytelling, that communication and being the authors of history, like that is what creatives are doing. They're on the front lines. And so incorporating them from the jump That's is right. critical to making sure that that narrative, whatever it is, points in that direction. And it's going to be critical as like Memphis moves forward to see how we're going to be documented and how we're going to either shift our narrative or stay the course. And That's so right. it's all kind of in the hands of creatives in that way, which is exciting to me. Like, I feel like we're excited about that, That's but right. I feel like to some other people that may be like, oh, wait a second. If that's how powerful creatives are, I have not been harnessing that power correctly. That's right. So the, the thing is to just make that shift, right? So you know, if you look at what's happening in Silicon Valley or uh, the, uh, someone told me a, a term for the Pacific Northwest, it's like this new Silicon Valley, but it like has trees or mountains in it or something like that. But it's really, it's not a valley anymore. It's like a, a different kind of silicone thing. But the gist is, is like really amazing startups and really amazing growing businesses right now. They, they incorporate creatives from the jump, right? The creatives are not only like designing their apps or their interfaces for the web, but they're like in leadership, right? There's yeah. creative directors. They're in leadership at that company that are they're having so much of a say. And for so long, I think in Memphis, I know growing up, I felt the same pressure as like 
to, to matter here, to lead here, or to run an organization or whatever it is, you needed a four-year degree, if not a master's, and that's what made you legit, right? And what's unfortunate nowadays because of the cost of education is there are a lot of creative people who can't literally afford to get a four-year degree to then, you know, move back to Memphis and not make a lot of money. Right. So people are opting to learn this stuff on their own. And over time, they can become amazing. Um, and they, you know, they did, they lost that four-year experience. I had the four-year experience. I went to school for that and I graduated eventually for, for graphic design. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that I, I just don't want us to lose sight of how important these people are into driving the new narratives of our city. Um, and so I, I feel like, I feel it's it's dire for us to just kind of take stock of where we're at and how much we want to grow and change. And and frankly, I was talking to someone the other day, you know, we have this big we're talking about souls so much these days. And like the one that the number one way for a city to lose its soul is to basically not empower the people that live here to tell their own stories and solve their own problems, right? But to invite everyone else to come here and tell us who we are and what we should be. And Eeks, so I think it's yeah. really important for us as a community to focus on the people that are here and empowering them to tell their own stories and to, you know, solve their own problems through design. Wow. I love that. Um, Sorry. I know that was this weird. No. Okay, good. We're we're good. We're going wherever the conversation takes us today. Um, So who is eligible? Like who would, who is your target audience for the Creative Works Conference? Yep. So if you work, uh, if you're a freelance graphic designer or a writer, copywriter, freelance, uh, you know, we have a lot of really amazing opportunities for freelancers. If you work at an agency, we have people on the, our panels that actually work at large corporations So, um, or work at larger agencies. So if you're in an agency and you're a graphic designer, you're an illustrator, you're a hand letterer, Um, you're a storyteller, you're a filmmaker. Um, If you're that person in this community, this is who this conference is for. And even if you're a hobbyist in this community, this conference is for you. I mean, again, uh, I may have said it to you earlier or said it on this podcast, but our goal is to show you the possibilities of a creative career, to help you understand that it's not just being that misunderstood person who goes to the you know, Christmas dinner and someone's like, well, what do you do for a living? And you don't want to speak up because they have no earthy idea what graphic design is or, or that sort of thing. Like we're your, we're the audience that will help give you the terms to communicate your value, give you the terms to help, you know, elevate you in your career and empower your career in such a way that you begin to like understand why you love design, understand a way to change it and understand kind of a way to deal in the dynamics that you're dealing with here in Memphis. That makes me amped. That, that, that's really really cool. Um, one other thing I learned about the Creative Works Conference from your website, which I thought was a hilarious little aside, is that on the why should you attend part, you have <laughs> a little part about how you can, if you need to convince your boss that yes. you should go to this, yes. that y'all have them covered. Yep. And that's hilarious because I know that there are so many large corporations here, perhaps even like mid to small size companies also that have... Um, personal development funds set aside for individuals. So I think that this is a perfect opportunity to kind of petition your either HR department or your managers or anything like that to kind of see if this would fall under that and if they could potentially fund you to be able to go and learn from these amazing, amazing people that are being brought in for this. I'm really excited about that. It was really cute. And (laughs) definitely playing to your audience in that way, for sure, knowing that perhaps the narrative is not an easy sell, sadly. It's not, it's not, but it's it's not just that's not just a Memphis thing. But we have people that um, 
you know, I direct to, you know, they'll text me on the website. You can get in touch with me on the website anytime. And so I text them and they're like, man, I've got to convince my boss to, to pay for my ticket. I can't afford it. And I really want to go. I'm like, Hey, we've got you covered, right? Yeah. We got it on our website. So they'll literally forward me, forward me these emails where they've copied it. They, you got to change the terminology guys, but they've copied and pasted. <laughs> change that, the font guys. Don't yeah, leave it exactly like they, it is. <laughs> they copy and paste that into an email and just send it to their boss. And sometimes it happens. Um, but yeah, it's That's hilarious. Sometimes it can be a hard to sell, but if you're in a, if you're in the Memphis area, right, if you're within a, a decent drive of your home. Um, you don't have to pay for accommodations. You don't have to pay for travel, right? So this is a no-brainer, I think, for any agency owner or any creative group uh, leader who has funds set aside for this. And even if you don't, make funds, make time for this, because what that does is it builds loyalty in your team. If you invest in them, they'll stick with you. And that's something that we've learned over time um, here. A couple of the uh, agencies that would be hesitant to send their people to our conference uh, started telling us that we were the, the the conference that basically the people would go to and then quit their jobs from. And <laughs> and I have to speak out loud. Those those agencies no longer exist. OK, so they didn't make it. Oh, so. Um, but here's the deal. If you send your your folks to this conference, I guarantee you. Um, that they will stick around with your company. They'll understand that you value them and they'll make an attempt to help do their best work for you, right? So they're going to learn so many things at the conference that they'll actually bring back and add value to your business. I know it seems crazy, but like people actually plug in at this conference. This is not just a thing where people just go downtown to you know, drink beer and get on Beale Street. Like we're working pretty yeah. much the entire time this thing is open. Yeah, I think, that's definitely, I mean, any conference I've ever been to, no matter where I've worked, I've always had to come back and kind of give a report. So that's I right. feel like, there you go. That's, that's your ticket. Great, that's yeah, your that's ticket. A, Offer to give your report back and right. like share your findings with the team and be like, this is why more people should come next year. That's right. So what are you most excited about for this year's conference? If you had to pick one thing. Well, I'm first of all, I'm excited to be back, right? So <laughs> I know, two, right? <laughs> two years off, one virtual. Um, I'm excited to be back. You know, the conference has been so special for so many people. Um, and so it's just, it's our time to get together again, to see people we haven't seen in three years. I mean, this is, it's a little insane when you think about the time that's elapsed since then. What is time? Um, it literally, yeah. But, you know, every year we make new connections. So what I'm really excited about is the new lineup that's coming. We have some favorites. We have people locally that are sharing some amazing stories um, about how they've impacted this community, how they've made changes in their own career to help keep them healthy. Um, we have someone from, uh, we have Brian Collins from Collins, uh, agency, which is out of, has offices in, uh, New York, San Francisco and London. He does him and his team do incredible work. We have Teresa Fitzgerald from Sesame street or Sesame workshop. She's the VP of creative there. Wow. Um, she's incredible. Um, and she wants to come. Um, and that's the other thing is like, again, Memphis is not that hard of a sell. And so these people want to come and they want to, not only are they going to speak from the stage, but they're going to be at the after party afterwards or dinner. And you can like pick their brain afterwards and to ask everything them that didn't get into their That's presentation. <laughs> exactly. Um, Just make, like being in the same room with these people and being able to like exchange contact information for further conversations is that's right exciting like that's the lowest bar that's like the lowest hanging fruit you'll come away with yeah <laughs> so like it's that, a part of yeah. our DNA too like we I don't hire sorry I don't um, invite people to Memphis to speak who aren't going to be present with us so I just try to make sure that we're going to have people who are going to stick around 
aren't going to kind of pop in, pop in, you know, pop out, make some, you know, make their honorarium and leave. We really try to find people who understand the value of this, you know, and historically events like this, you know, some of the speakers never got paid. Um, and we actually pay for these folks to come in we put them up in a hotel for three nights and we, um, you know, pay for their air for airfare. So, um, you know, it's just, it's really special. Everyone hangs around. And, uh, I think, you know, if you invest in yourself or get someone else to invest into, uh, you can see numerous stories, especially locally, uh, with folks here, uh, you know, baby Graham, pretty useful, uh, Chris Porter, um, so many people who've basically plugged into what we're doing and, and their careers have just taken off. I love that. I'm sure the people over at Memphis Tourism are tipping their hat also for all the other people outside of the Mid-South that you're bringing in for this lovely conference. That's right. So we have uh, 70% of our attendees are from everywhere else in the country um, and an hour outside of Memphis, right? So Jackson, I include Jackson in my stats uh, for us. That's 30% of our audience is from basically inside of a circle drawn around Jackson. And then everyone else is from everywhere else. Wow. It's really fantastic. Um, and sadly, we've grown the opposite direction. I want more people from Memphis to come. Yeah. And so we've got to, I don't, I don't know exactly how to do this, how to convince your boss or how to kind of change that narrative here. But we need more people here locally to support this, uh, this conference and this community for sure. What do you think is, if you had to kind of distill it down to one main thing that you wish the Memphis community generally knew about creatives that live here? How much that they have had an influence on, uh, you know, the experience that you live day in and day out, whether it's from your phone, whether it's the car you drive, the house you live in, uh, the stuff you buy. I mean, most of that has been touched. Uh, the TV you watch, the films that you watch. The places you eat, the menus you look at, like exactly, literally all of it. <laughs> all of it has been touched by someone who's creative, right? Uh, when a new product pops out and you're like, oh my gosh, I love that they've created that. That's a creative person who has sat down and thought through that and built something that you absolutely love. And I think so often um, for, for a lot of different nuanced reasons, you know, people just, like you said, just kind of think that, creative people or graphic designers at the end of the day, and they're just going to create, you know, a sign that they put up at a 4K run or like, you know, a logo that'll go on my website. Um, they, there's so many more aspects to a creative career and so much more to be learned from and involving creatives from the, the get-go or from the jump uh, in, in not only building businesses and, and, and products, but communities too. And so I just, I, we've got to change this idea that, you know, that it's all about a four-year degree to be able to lead a conversation, right? Or to be able to like build something amazing. Um, and, you know, in Memphis in particular, we've just got to let people who are willing to do the work, get their hands dirty and do the work. You know, um, I don't know if that's coming off or making the most amount of a sense, but, and unfortunately, cause I, that's a, a point I need to drive home, but you know, it's a continual thing here that I'm, uh, we're up against basically, the creative person being in the corner office, the furthest away from everyone, and kind of at the end of the day, they're still grinding it out, creating, you know, graphics for their team, uh, and they feel fairly alone yeah. in that. And so how can we help incorporate them and also give them the tools uh, to do better work and to be a better asset to their team? Creative people are incredible assets. If you look at anything that's happened in Memphis, from music history to uh, art 
film, all of those things have been done by creatives. So it's literally the thing that a town is known for is the creative work. It's the thing that's built the culture. I see what you did there with that play on words, the creative work. Yeah. Um, so that was know. actually my next question was yeah. about the um, the value add to any city. That's right. From the creatives. So. And if, like how it pushes the economy forward, basically, too. Absolutely. So we did the research when we were giving our reports when we were a nonprofit. You know, a creative city is a more employed city. It's a more innovative city. city. So back up to employed. So this means if you have more creatives per, per capita, um, that you actually have more job opportunities for everyone, right? Not just for creatives. Yeah. You have job, more job opportunities for everyone. Um, so they're more employed, they're more innovative, right? The more creative uh, ideas, and creative literally is the word for, or creating is, is literally creating something uh, new, right? It's doing something that hasn't been done before. So, you, so if you have more creatives per capita in a city, you drive more innovation, right? And that's something that Memphis in particular tries to tout all the time is innovation. We need to make that real by, by employing more creative people here to lead those conversations, right? And then beyond that, it creates more tolerance because design is a human problem. And when we're trying to create for the best market, if we're trying to create for the most value, we're going to try to create for a larger and wider audience, right? Which helps you be empathetic to everyone, not just a select group. And sometimes you can market to a select group too, but design is a human problem, and so we find that, um, and again, we find data has shown that creative cities are more tolerant. So if you think of like employment, uh, innovation, and tolerance, like those are three things that, that Memphis and most cities desperately need, right? And so that those things, along with the money that that makes, uh, you know, drives an economy. In, in really amazing cities, right? So if you think, if anyone just kind of closes their eyes and thinks about any amazing city, then think about all the things that you experienced in that city, and most of those things were driven by creative work. Tie back, like, directly to, yeah. What's interesting to me, too, is that it doesn't have to look the way that I think, like, traditional creative, like, looks. Um I'll use this podcast as an example. I am like creative adjacent, I would think. I mean, I went to school to be a journalism and mass communication major, and I have done a bit of storytelling. I have always fallen under the umbrella of communication, and I had never done a radio show before this. And so, but that resilience, the adaptability, the innovation, the ability to think on your feet, any of that other stuff, and again, with the empathetic like it makes me think of creatives inherently have to think about the user experience that's right so you have to think about well what if it went wrong what if they did this instead of that what if they press this button instead of that what if they walk through the door this way instead of that way what if they can't walk through the door what if they park over here what does that look like and in doing so you've logistically remedied a lot of the other pitfalls that would have come along in the process. That's right. Simply by having somebody like that voicing all of that. That's right. So imagine if you do that over a 10-year period, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people think, you know, I don't 10,000 hours, whatever that is. Like <laughs> basically, like if you do that over a 10-year period and you're just literally problem solving at every stop, like you're a designer, honestly. Like you don't think of yourself as a designer, but you're a designer. Like you, you figured this out. Right. So you you there's a problem. You need to create a podcast. You had to figure it out on your feet. You do that over 10 years. Right. With different problems. Yes. You become an incredible asset to any business. Right. So what's crazy for me is like I've done a lot of branding. I did some Ghost River stuff. I did stuff with the Levitt Shell. I did stuff with the Urban Child Institute. Um, 
lot of, lot of different things here locally. But in those 20 years of doing this, I've seen so many business leaders. I've met with them at business meetings. I've learned about everything from their budgets, their accounting, to problems that they've got to solve. And you become an expert, honestly, at running a business, which is crazy to think about, Um, which may make you somewhat of a, you know, it, it literally, I think, kind of in some ways, especially here in Memphis, is forces you to be an entrepreneur. But what's really empowering for that is that you get to then create the things that you want. So when you see creatives in our sector, like basically building their own businesses, that's what really makes a city beautiful, right? When a, when a creative person has gotten to the level of starting their own cocktail bar, like mm. Ben Kolar Inkwell, right? That is just like fantastic for him. It's fantastic for our community and it starts to drive that narrative, right? You have uh, the, the ladies at Pretty Useful. They started out doing really amazing client work at different agencies around town, and they just want to start making things that were pretty and useful, right? They wanted to, like, drill that home. And now they're like a, you know, boss lady business. Like, there's, like, I think three to four people working there now. Um, They're doing so many things. They're leading workshops at our conferences, workshops at other conferences, and building uh, and leveling up the skill set of everyone here in town. So, and um, I just think that that stuff is so important. I don't know if we got off track, but. Um, no, I mean, it's truly what I was, it's just, it's the transferable skills in the right. workplace. I mean, we've talked about it in, with guests who have come on to talk about mentorship or entrepreneurship. And a lot of those characteristics and skills that you hone over time inherently transfer. Like whether it's a one-to-one isn't really That's the right. thing. That's it's, right. Overall, it makes you a more well-rounded employee. That's right. And like you said, adaptable, like you are learning and you're able to problem solve. And I feel like if the workforce needs anything, it's problem solvers. That's right. And then all of those other creative ways to do that, thinking outside the box because what has worked in the past has not. So how do we solve an old problem in a new way? That's right. Exactly. So moving our city forward, whether that's from transportation or whether it's infrastructure, whether it's building, whether it's cuisine, whatever it looks like, having the ability to think outside the box and articulate that in a meaningful way. I mean, yeah. that's a huge check mark. It is. It absolutely is. And one of the things I wish that Memphians would, would do and do differently is I think for such a long time, we've looked at anyone who doesn't live here and thought they need to keep their opinions to themselves, right? Like we, yeah. we, we, we don't value anyone else's opinion. Uh, we're Memphians. We, you know, we're, it's us against everybody. I mean, it's uh, like, yeah. it's, it's part the, of our culture inherently. Right? It's, it is, it is definitely a part of our culture, but the thing that I wish that we, we could do. And I think the thing that works so well with this conference, especially impacting our local community is that here's the cool thing is that so many of our city's problems have been solved elsewhere, right? So if we could just sit back and learn from those folks who've already done the work, and learn how to apply it here authentically, like we could grow this city exponentially. And the problem with, I think, us, and I can't peg it on one group or another group, I think we're all kind of bullheaded like this, <laughs> honestly, because we have to be, right? We've yeah. got to make a case. We've got to defend our city, right? We, we have a little chip city. on our shoulder. That's right. <laughs> and so if we could kind of let that go or learn to let that go and learn from other cities and other communities and other people who live in other cities and other communities, um, we could help bring that back to our home, solve those problems, do them authentically. Again, I'm not talking about just transferring culture. I'm talking about 
learning that there were some logistic things, some like black and white binary things that basically they learned through that experience that basically we could employ here and do it in a way that's authentic that impacts our community specifically. I feel like a great example of that is the rails to trails. Um, yes. It was done very successfully in other cities. And that's shout out example. to one of our fellows cohorts that 10 years ago did some of the research on it. And they had to do some of the nitty gritty and didn't get to see the exciting part of it. But then 10 years later, it's a thriving part of the Memphis community that we have these amazing green lines. Yeah, or think about how we're developing downtown right now. I mean, the gist is like come to the river, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, one of our one of the best resources we have naturally in the city is the river, or just the the, the fact that we, you know we obviously we can't go swimming in it, but we can <laughs> look at it, and we can honestly, it, it, for me at least, it reminds me of my place that, that I'm small and it's big, right? And that's a good way to kind of like. Like having something in nature to help remind you of how small you actually are is, I think it's a good thing. It's a good practice. But anyway, the fact that like we we know that cities like even as close as Chattanooga really started investing in their downtown areas, mm-hmm. and it totally transformed, literally transformed their city into um, bustling, energetic downtown metropolises. And um, I mean, people still live out in the burbs. People still do that thing too. But, but it, it is a hub for it's the a hub thriving for city. That's yeah. right, and it is for a lot of different reasons, and they're all really fantastic. And they all feed off one another. Yep, they and all but, are. So, yeah. But that move, that movement of doing that, started in other cities, and we were hesitant to make that happen here because of the investments we had made in the suburbs, right? Yeah. And so it wasn't until someone just got it within their head that, like, hey, I mean. I know people now that live downtown that used to live on the burbs, and they were like, honestly, just sick of driving home every night. <laughs> and so they big decided. Facts, and, big facts. <laughs> yeah. So they, they literally just decided to change it. And you have folks like Carol Coletta and the River, River Parks Partnership mm-hmm. making that happen. And then, you know, Wolf River Conservancy and all of those things making, you know, tying in nature into things. These are all city. These are all lessons that were learned in other cities that we brought here and made authentic. Same with Crosstown. Absolutely. I mean, they had done all the same things with the Sears buildings and the all over the U.S. And we were like, hey, we got this. Let's put our spin on that. That's right. So I think um, kind of building off what we talked about last week, dear listener, with um, learning about cryptocurrency and the education and how to move us into the future. And I'm excited to see about where this conversation can take us, where all of the kind of the tangible ways that the Creative Works Conference will bubble up in our city and transform it over the next couple of years. I'm excited to see what that does and where it takes us. Um, Unfortunately, I feel like it's going to take a little bit of time, as as any good thing does. You kind of got to wait it out. But I'm excited to see the long-term investments that having such an exciting, unique conference here in Memphis will pay and compounding effects moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We just need to build, you know, honestly, if you're out there, creative listener or ally, we need to build better allies in the city to help tell these stories about this creative work and how it's impacting our city, right? Like that's, I feel like for some reason, I mean, there's so many listeners in this podcast that probably have never known that we've done a conference. We've done this conference for, uh, this is the ninth year existing. This is our eighth conference. And, um, 
you know, these are things that we need to embrace. Like this conference is a national conference that just happens to be in Memphis because I'm from Memphis, right? Which we are very happy about. Yeah, thank you. So <laughs> we need to embrace that these things are happening here. We need to embrace that these stories of these really amazing creative people are building new things in Memphis and helping to change our narrative for the better. Um, and so if we embrace those things, I think over time, and we build allies that help tell those stories and share those stories online, right? Like, that's what I need. I need someone to look at what I'm doing, look at it objectively, see what's good about it, and share those things out so that we can not just have more people attend the conference. Um, that's a lovely byproduct, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> not, not just to have people uh, just to attend the conference, but we can start to start to really identify, you know, what is making this community so amazing. And I think the more that people realize that being a creative doesn't have to, it inherently doesn't live inside a box. It inherently right. doesn't look that way and like have conforming constrictions on it. So the more you let it just kind of seep into every aspect, every project, every conversation that you're having, I think the more willing everybody will be to kind of embrace Absolutely. This notion and then therefore embrace that we have such a unique conference in our Absolutely. city. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, one final question, actually two final questions. Where can our listeners follow along and learn more about this conference? Is sure. one of them. So our website is creativeworks.co, no M. And you can find us on, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Everything's slash creative works, which is amazing. Uh, over time, I had to acquire all that stuff. And then um, <laughs> no Twitter, feet, yeah, sure. right? Uh, and then Twitter, we're just uh, cworks.co. Um, and uh, yeah, we I, I'm posting about the conference, telling stories about the conference. And if you follow us, you can kind of you know follow along with what we're doing. And then I'll also post recap videos. So if you don't get a chance to make it this year, you can see what we're doing in Memphis. And it will likely sell out very soon, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then my final question, uh, how we like to end all of our podcasts, is what does being a Memphian mean to you in one word, if you can distill it down? Oh, man. This is uh, this happens every podcast. And I'm, <laughs> I, You're never I'm, prepared? <laughs> no, no, no. I start to well up. So uh, I start to get emotional about this stuff. Oh. But, yeah, but it's okay. Um, I did this with Eric Barnes. Yeah. I did this with uh, Scotty Russell, who does a really amazing podcast. But I just start thinking really deeply and it starts, the emotions start coming up, yeah. especially after having a kid again. It's just like reset for all that stuff. I love it. But being a Memphian here, like I grew up um, outside the city, as I, I said earlier, uh, next to Adventure River. And I lived most, most of my, you know, teenage years in Bartlett. And I didn't come into the city often. Like downtown closed at like 6 p.m. when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I came down for Peabody Place back when, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. I did too. Before and down to the Pyramid, I saw like an NSYNC concert, I think. Yeah, I saw Van Halen down there in Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, when I was a little kid, I don't know why this went, oh, I do, do know why this went away, but we used to go to the Enchanted Forest in Goldsmiths, which is down there, um, which was, that was an amazing experience. Uh, they have some of that at the Pink Palace, so y'all should go to that. That's like living living history there. But um, Goldsmiths. <laughs> yeah, what what were we talking about? Sorry, I got I got to just nit out in this nostalgia uh, trip. What uh, being a Memphian means to you? Yes, yes. So what what I love about so I came back to Memphis, and I just started seeing opportunities. Right, like being in Seattle and being encouraged to be myself, being encouraged to be a part of problems, being invited into the solutions, uh, and doing really incredible work just helped me understand that I could come back and make change in the city. 
And so if you can see my career from 2007 on, there are many things that I did here locally that have had a pretty lasting and, and large impact, whether it's like budding up to my friends at the Mid-South Coliseum Coalition or doing my retro T-shirts or doing creative works or doing creative work for the Levitt Shell back in the day when they got uh, kind of reignited um, back in like 2009-ish, I think, or I'm not exactly sure when that started, but like Memphis is a place that I can create change in, and I know it needs people like me. And so for someone like myself who wants to live a purposeful life, not just a consuming life, I, you know, I, I love the house that I'm in. I love the, the, car, the car that I drive, and, you know, I love uh, so many things. I love every one of my Apple devices. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, I want to be in a place where I can help change things for the better. And I think for Memphis— we don't always have to wear that on our shoulder either. Like, I don't think we're a town that always needs to be thinking of ourselves in a charitable way. But what I do love about Memphis is that I can plug in here and I can make a difference. If I were to move back to Seattle tomorrow, I wouldn't need to make much of a difference there, right? And it, the problems would be all over the place. But um, and and some people kind of take advantage of that, being a big smith, big fish in a small pond here, uh, in ways that I don't like really appreciate. But I just love. When I talk to people, most creative people, as they grow older, they really want to live in a city in a place where they can make a difference. And Memphis has been that place for me as an adult, right? And I didn't know about all of our challenges and the things that had gone on until I literally moved away and got yeah. that perspective and came back. And so that's one of the things that I love about being a Memphian and participating in our communities is that we can actually do something about the things that we don't like or the things that need change or lifting people up. Um, and I just, I think in other cities, they're too big. They're too complex. There's so many things in motion. and It's uh, hard to really plug in to that's make that right. change. Yeah. yeah. And I think Memphis is definitely a city you can do that in. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much for joining for us today me. and um, telling us about the conference and about all, all things creative. Um, so, yeah, have, have a great one. Dear listener, I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Josh today. I hope that you learned more about the infrastructure right here in Memphis um, and how we can better support our creative talent here and that maybe we took off some of the blinders of what it looks like to be a creative in the workforce and be a creative in your career. So that is my hope as we move into this week, maybe to marinate on some of those facts and become, as Josh said, an ally for the creatives in your life. Um, there are a few end of show announcements right here before we leave. As a reminder, New Memphis is a nonprofit, so we welcome any and all donations. Um, as we like to say, there is none too small, but there is also none too large either. So if you would like to... Um, dig into your pocket a little bit. You can head over to newmemphis.org slash donate. And while you're on New Memphis's site, make sure that you have grabbed a ticket for our Level Up Mid-South Leadership Conference or Summit, which is in just a few days on August 26th. It's Friday. We will be at the University of Memphis and the University Center for our Level Up Summit. It is going to be fantastic. We have amazing facilitators. You will learn oh so much. And I am so, so stoked, but I do not have a lot of time to stay and chat because it is a prep week, dear listener. So I hope to see you there. Um, come give me a hug. Come tell me that you love the podcast. I would love to hear it. Please rate us a five-star review, um, subscribe, and leave us a review. So until next week, bye. Bye.
This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.